right. Well, we're going to look today uh, at really a right, proper view of ourselves, which is something that um, everyone knows that how you view yourself does make a difference. Uh, but the problem is that um, uh, the world's solution to the right perspective uh, is often just a selfish and self-directed perspective that will, in the long run, during crisis, fail. And so the theme here that has been chosen by the book is to choose to press on. In other words, don't let how you feel and the discouragement that oftentimes we find ourselves facing about ourselves, don't let that stop you, but understand the love of God for you and the uh, the fact that you can make each day, by the grace of God, become very valuable and that your life can be valuable. And this is a big deal in today's world in which, uh, which we live. She begins by the, giving the story of Amy Carmichael. I think most of you know that name. It's certainly worth reading her biography. For 52 years, she uh, labored in India very sacrificially. When she was a little girl, uh, at three years of age, um, she had uh, her. Uh, she had brown eyes, and her mother and her brother had brilliant blue eyes. And she was very sad that she had brown eyes. So she sincerely prayed that overnight God would change her eyes to blue. Well, in the morning, guess what color they were? Brown. Yes. Okay. Well, the Lord wasn't going to answer that prayer, of course, and that bothered her for some period of time. Well. 30 years later, as she was working in uh, India, uh, she was, had been hearing about the tragic plight of young girls sold into human trafficking in the Hindu temples there, which was a big problem. And so she wanted to uh, discreetly intervene, and which she did very, very effectively. So she dressed up as an Indian woman and uh, colored her skin. And she looked into the mirror and realized if she had had those brilliant blue eyes, she wouldn't have fooled them uh, going in there. But because she had the dark brown eyes, uh, she, uh, her disguise worked greatly. And she thought, you know, the Lord saw down, down the, the line uh, all those years later, even in a small detail like that, that uh, she was perfectly created for what God had called her to do. And so you think about it, in today's world that is about image making and really is so false in so many ways there there's this ideal of a woman or a man and none of us can measure up to the world's ideal or sometimes we have the spiritual ideal but it's not a genuine understanding of what the bible says so we're constantly feeling inferior um, she writes uh, a lot of ladies wish she, they were skinny, taller, prettier, hair wasn't so curly or their hair was curly, <laughs> uh, that uh, they wish like they, they looked like somebody else or whatever. Uh, but uh, God formed us exactly the way he wants us to be formed. And uh, God uh, knows how to take the way we are and give us a life that is really effective. It's not based upon outward appearance, obviously, or even abilities that we have, though we need to develop and strengthen everything that we have. Uh, we do need to 
come to grips with the, the great peace and joy that God knew what he was doing when he made us the way he, he <clears throat> made us. Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. By the way, very powerful set of verses that life began, begins in the womb at conception and that God right from the beginning. And let me just say this, this isn't part of the chapter. This might involve some lady here, but um, sometimes folks are born out of some pretty bad circumstances. And um, it's just not a very, you know, very good thing as to how they came into being. And what every person needs to realize, and let me give you just even, and hate to even bring it up, but the most, probably the worst of all situations, uh, a pregnancy out of rape, let's say. That's just about as horrible as you can get. Uh, God is the creator of life. And I have known people who came into being from the worst circumstances who have been mighty servants of the Lord. And they realized God allowed this. He didn't cause that. But he let life come. He could have not allowed a life to come. But he did allow the life to come. And that uh, that person is as special as anyone else. Certainly they're going to be living through some real difficulties. But it is amazing. And you know it makes a great deal of difference when you realize that God was in your conception. He was in your creation. And that you are as special to God as anyone else. And folks, this is very, very important. Maybe not as much for you because you have a sense of security from your home and all of, all of that. But a lot of people you talk to today really have a sense of insecurity even from their background. Even from how they uh, came into being and you've got to teach them. This is doctrine. This is no life is without God's initiation. And it's a great comfort to folks to realize we are made in the image of God for a purpose. Everyone is equally important. So did everybody hear me on that? You got that? I mean, that's very important. All right, let me get back to the lesson here. <clears throat> now, God designs us, and let me say this carefully. He lets us all be not perfect, okay? Uh, in fact, your weaknesses are going to be sometimes, most of the time, your strengths. Moses was slow of speech, and yet he was the leader of two to four million people. <laughs> Amazing. He knew it was of God that he was able to do what he did. Zacchaeus was short. But because of that, he climbed that sycamore tree, and uh, God saw him, and God used that, so that was good. Paul had a thorn in the flesh that Satan actually gave him. And people think that, uh, most scholars think that that was some kind of eye disease or something that was very painful and very repugnant. It's very difficult for a public personality to have. Uh, some believe that the thorn in the flesh was a satanically inspired person, uh, Dr. Jim, that's his theory. Uh, but 
Regardless, uh, if it was a physical handicap, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. God was talking to Paul. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so often we look at, oh, if we only were this or if we only had that. Well, as we're going to be talking here in the rest of the lesson, everything we are and everything we can do is through the power of God. And our areas of weakness are the most important areas because we know we have to have God. You know, sometimes you may be very organized or you may be, maybe somebody has a very, or gifted at speaking or extrovertish or whatever. And there's a real tendency to depend upon that strength to uh, uh, accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And uh, people implode when they're dependent on the flesh. And um, I, uh, I'm very thankful. I grew up with a very shy father, though a very a tremendous leader. I'm a Dutchman in my background, and uh, uh, there is somewhat of a reticence, and, you know, we're not sort of out front people. <laughs> well, I got called into the ministry. Guess what? I am out front, and uh, I'm reminded all the time, this is amazing. How did that happen? Uh, and so I'm constantly reminded, I need God because it's not my natural predisposition. Now, God gave me a very, very special gift. Her name is Beverly, and she is not Dutch, nor is she shy. <laughs> uh, and she's appropriately outgoing, and my, whew, what would I have done without her? So the Lord knew my desperate need for that. By the way, she'll be back here in a little bit. I'm going to go get her. She had her final procedure, and she has perfect vision. God, in fact, the doctor this morning said, we expected you have the great far vision, but she can, doesn't need reading glasses even uh, because of this new set of procedures. That's why she's had to have her glasses so long. So it was pretty neat. I was with her for the first part of uh, this morning. So she has still have to wear those glasses until her eyes stop the dilating, and they can be put away. So anyway. Uh, that that is a blessing. That's been a hard thing for her for as a pastor's wife for six weeks to be wearing sunglasses and I thought she looked real cool though. I, thought, I, I really thought she was cute. I'm gonna sort of miss uh, those uh, sunglasses. But anyway, I'm I'm glad for her not to be self-conscious about that. But uh, anyway, when you come, congratulate. Well, I don't know. Congratulations. Just we need to thank the Lord, and that's a big deal. Did you know? Since she was three years old, she couldn't see hardly at all. We never much said about it. She was uh, semi-blind, and now she has perfect vision. And uh, so I am thrilled. I'm sorry. I'm just excited this morning. Uh, to me, that's a real gift from the Lord, and it is a blessing. All right. Now, getting back to this here, these, uh, uh, these weaknesses, we need to understand are God's gift to us to depend upon him. Because, folks, there's not a thing we can do without God. But we are so self-sufficient, we are so self-focused, and we want to do things ourselves, and we think we can live without walking with God and knowing Him and depending upon Him. And then we wonder why we burn out and we get frustrated and we feel like a failure. Well, it's because we're not living in that, that unity of relationship, that abiding relationship where we are in regular dependence upon Him. Now, how do we deal with this? She approaches this from the standpoint that we need to understand who we are 
First of all, by the position of our new birth. We are born again if we know the Lord as Savior. And I don't know all of you here this morning. If you don't know the Lord, the biggest solution to this matter of who you are is to become a child of God. Uh, we're born into royalty. Uh, she mentions that at the time of writing this, Prince William uh, was having his wedding some years ago. And, uh, of course, everybody sort of looked in on that. Now, how much did Prince William earn the right to have such a notoriety? He seems like a pretty decent guy. But he didn't. He was, what, born into royalty. He didn't have any choice about it. You know, just the way it goes. And that can actually be a, a big problem. But for us, we are born into royalty. And you are a child of God. And uh, you, God is perfect in his love for you. Uh, is just glorious, and, uh, and so you can have great confidence uh, in growing up. I had a good father, and um, I could walk into his office. As a little kid, I didn't, it didn't matter who was in there. Dad let me come into his office, and he'd tell me if I needed to leave, but I was his son, you know, and uh, uh, that's just the way it is. And isn't that wonderful? You can go right to the throne of grace because you're a child of God. So your worth does not come from your performance. It comes through Jesus Christ who has saved you. You are born into the royal family of God, and you are in Christ, so God the Father sees you in the Savior. You have his righteousness and uh, his very person. Uh, you have his rights. Uh, when you get to heaven, you're going to be shocked at who you are. The angelic host is, uh, will treat you as a, in the reality that you are in Christ who is the one to be worshipped. We're not going to be worshipped. That's not the point. But we will have the honor of being connected with the one who is worshipped. And if you meditate on that, in fact, uh, I think it's very important in the first 10 minutes of your prayer time, as you meditate on the attributes of God, as you wait upon the Lord to spend time realizing who you are in Christ. It, it dispels a lot of our wrong thinking, feeling bad, people do hurt, uh, you know, us, uh, situations are disappointing, we, feel, we have some failures, but if we meditate on uh, who we are in Christ and how he accepts us, Ah, there's just a relief in our soul. It's just a sweet thing. And you have that wonderful joy of uh, getting your focus off yourself and your focus upon him. So we say it all the time, but performance acceptance is our great enemy. Somehow we think we have to perform to get God's acceptance. And that comes because from little kid on up, you tried to perform to get man's acceptance. And you desperately wanted man's acceptance. And uh, if you're, you were a little more insecure because of maybe an unstable home, that became an obsession to get people to accept you. And it's, it's just there. Uh, she, the author mentions that uh, if you were to write a description of the perfect self, what would it be? Okay, If you were going to work on performance, you would always be loving, patient, and understanding, well-organized, Maintaining a perfect balance between discipline and flexibility. Your house would always be neat and well-decorated, and you would never be embarrassed if friends drop by to 
uh, unexpectedly. Your children would drop whatever they're doing and obey you at every request. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, she never get, you'll never get angry with your children even when they forget. You're serious, yet lighthearted, submissive, but not passive. <laughs> You're energetic and never tired, even after getting up five times during the night to tend sick children. You reach out to neighbors and take meals to sick and needy. You look fresh and attractive all the time. Your hair does what you want it to do, and it's never flat. <laughs> These are things I don't fully relate to. But anyway, uh, her fingernails are never broken. Uh, you always plan healthy, balanced meals uh, for a family and bake everything from scratch. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, never gets sick, lonely, or discouraged. Walks faithfully with God every day and studies and memorizes scripture. Now that you can do. She prays without ceasing. That you can do. She is never fearful or inhibited about telling others about Christ and speaking the truth to someone who may be in error. So, you think, uh uh-huh. okay. Well, obviously, are these not some goals that we need to have? But, you know, this kind of ideal doesn't gain, you don't through that gain God's acceptance. And frankly, you don't gain even other people's acceptance. There can be some sense of admiration, but it's, listen, anything human that's admiration does fade away. All it takes is one mistake, you know. Don't be an image person. A lot of people have this image and say, boy, if people only knew how how I really was, they wouldn't think so highly of me. Not a good thing. Now, you don't want to be the opposite, but you need to be open, transparent, real, you know, um, and uh, certainly working and growing, but, you know, just talking where your weaknesses are and you're working on this. And, and what a refreshing blessing as you're praying together and work together on growing in different areas. Some of you are organized. Some of you aren't organized. You just don't have that kind of analytical perspective. Some of you uh, uh, just have background in which you... Your mother taught you how to do meals, and that was meal planning and all of that. Some of you had zero background. Of course, less and less that is the case today. And, and uh, so that's a struggle for you. And, um, and of course, child-rearing. By the way, on child-rearing, just keep learning biblical principles uh, and keep uh, just humbly asking God uh, for truth. That's why we try here. We'll uh, hit it soon. In a few weeks, we'll be having a, I'll be having another family course at 5 o'clock on parenting again it's just constantly we want to teach on that because we want to learn and grow but I'm telling you rearing children is one challenge your entire time Uh, they are in your home you never get to the perfect child situation remember they're a chip off the old block you know so uh, I'm talking about Adam and Eve's block and so they're going to be a challenge but I tell you God can do a great thing and so on so we got to be very careful about as uh, Second Corinthians ten twelve, warning us to com- we should not compare ourselves. Uh, for instance, it says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise." And so, shed the perfect me perspective and say, "Lord, I want to be." I want to show forth Christ. I want to keep growing, but help me to have the right and patient attitude in the development process. And, uh, and don't be afraid to be open and honest. This is an image-making day. You know, one of the, one of the things I heard 
uh, several years back when Facebook was really going strong is that nobody could keep up with the positive image that everybody else was trying to portray. You know, by the way, the image they're portraying is not real. You know, people don't just live on vacation all the time, you know, for instance, or whatever else uh, pictures they're showing. Uh, uh, and so very few people will show, yes, look at what I woke up to this morning, a picture of their messy bedroom, you know. <laughs> That's usually not on Facebook, I would suppose. Uh, I uh, have never been on Facebook, so uh, I'm telling you, I decided to stay away from social media. I have enough, I don't have enough time to do what I'm doing now. I'd rather have real, what, by the way, do you know where the name of this came from? Face to face. We would rather have interactive time rather than virtual. I, th I hope the COVID got virtual stuff out of your system. I mean, that uh, if I never saw another Zoom meeting, I have one today, but if I never had to have a Zoom meeting again, I would, oh, it would be glorious. Um, it's, uh, we gotta live in reality. All right, that was a sidetrack. Um, so our worth needs to be based upon who we are in Christ. And uh, so that is uh, very important. And um, so what happens, folks, is you can get very down and discouraged if you don't measure up. You can feel like, what's the use? Oh, I've tried to organize, or I've tried to work with my children, or I've tried to do this or that. Uh, I've tried to have my prayer time, and I have failed. All right. The problem is the word try. The problem is I. No, you have to make the decision, and you have to decide what needs to be done. But who's going to give you the victory? It's going to be the Lord. And he will give a great thing. Nothing is impossible with God. And the great joy of the Christian life is that your life becomes one of miracles. Folks, never forget the miracle of the new birth. If you ever get discouraged, remember, it's amazing that you're saved. You're going to heaven. You have no fear of hell. As I've already said, you're a child of God. Now you have His righteousness. God the Father will not judge you for your sin. You will not be at the white throne judgment. Uh, you will have the glory of being in heaven forever and, and working with God and to have, and we we have that. We're, in fact, a co-heir with Jesus Christ, a joint heir. That's an amazing truth. Uh, we are treated uh, with full standing with Christ. If God can do that through salvation, what can he do through your life day by day? Can't he meet those needs? Absolutely. It isn't you trying more. It isn't you trying to measure up. It's deciding what is biblical Ask God for wisdom of how to accomplish it step by step. Get others maybe to pray with you if it's something you really need to change in. Realize that change is not easy. And then believe that God will give you grace to do what you cannot do. And you will be amazed at the miracles of your life. Remember, give yourself a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that perfect and acceptable uh, the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. All right, that's our standard, but who's going to cause it to happen? It's going to be God that'll do it. And that, that's such a comfort. Uh, you, if you feel like a failure, 
I hate to tell you this, you are. All right, how many in here are failures? Okay, okay, we're, we're the failure club, okay? Uh, and I'm not trying to be negative or whatever, but we can't do it. John chapter 15, for without me ye can do nothing. So get that down, get that down. Now, we need to have a high ideal. We need to believe God can do great things, but we got to get out of our thinking we can do it. it by the way, that goes back to our initial discussion. Some of your weaknesses will be your best friend because you know you can't do it there. And so you've got to have God's help, and you're just, you'll be amazed. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, I mentioned about being a little shyer and so forth. Well, soul winning, you've got to talk. You've got to face difficult situations. You know, last night we had a, our outreach emphasis went out with Brian and Prosper, um, soul winning door to door. Man, we had some great times. First house or two, you know, you deal with the fleshly, you know, every time, and then all of a sudden, God just gives you that. It's it starts to be God open doors. Two people said, you know, I was just thinking this last week. I needed to talk to somebody about the Lord. You know, one lady got to spend a great deal of time witnessing to. She didn't get saved. And uh, Brian said at the end, he said, you know, it's so interesting. Started off uncomfortable. He said, I, I am fully comfortable now. You know, he, if you heard his testimony last night, that was what he talked about. And, uh, but that's God. God overcomes weakness. And, and so actually, I'm glad that I'm not a salesman type. Because if I have any blessing in soul winning, it's God. I can tell you it's certainly not my personality that can make that happen. And I do want to encourage you ladies on the matter of outreach. People are open today. We didn't have one home where people didn't talk to us. And that's very, very unusual. Now, that doesn't always happen. But every person we start talking about biblical archaeology and those, there was an interest, there was a hunger. We got past the first level, and uh, you could just see people are spiritually hungry. And, um, and so what happens is when you get over your own fears and you begin to realize people are open, you begin to do things you'd never do. And all of a sudden you realize, I can't do that, but God did it. God's helped me. I can minister. I can be what I ought to be. It's a, it's a great blessing. Um, all right, well, um, let me just end here with, um, of course, the whole theme of the book and study that we're in is choices, choices. And choices, of course, what's another word for a biblical choice? Anybody remember for the very first lesson? If you make a biblical choice, you're actually walking by, all right. Thought you'd catch it if I said it that way. Okay. It's faith. Dependence upon God's word over your own feelings and your own uh, strength. And so choices are a key. And so uh, some choices that we need to make in our thinking here. Uh, God created me. And even before I was born, God supervised my total development. Psalm 139. Number two, God is presently working in me to make me like Christ. In other words, I have the Holy Spirit. That's his goal, to present me faultless. God is working. He is taking all the resources of heaven to help me. 
Not a person here God's let down. He's ready to do it. Uh, three, I will be patient with myself. God has entrusted me with the potential, gifts, talents, and personality to do His perfect will. Philippians 1.6. Four, I will trust that God will continue to equip me to do His will. Whom God calls, He qualifies. He will, He is so burdened to accomplish His will through individual believers collectively in the local church, the body of Christ, that He will do what it takes to get you to that point that you can be used. Um, number five, I will set out to improve the changeable areas as God gives me insight and power. Philippians 4.13, I will seek to fulfill my potential by setting goals for myself. In other words, you have a biblical perspective, you ask God for wisdom, and then you believe that God's going to enable you. Number six, I will not use my background or lack of abilities as an excuse for sin or any lack of progress in my life. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Forgetting those things which are behind, certainly we have some ramifications from that, but we can have God's power and blessing today, and we can grow today. Seven, I will daily confess and forsake sin and seek cleansing through the Word. Keep that abiding relationship uh, because you are honest before God. By the way, if you're trying to prove yourself to other people, you actually have that same mentality in trying to prove yourself to God, and you won't be honest in your confession. God already knows. You know, but it's, it's amazing how uh, you've got to learn, not in a wrong way, but you've got to learn to be open. You've got to learn to be honest. And um, that's what I love about small groups here in the ministry and so forth. You've got to be careful again, but the Spirit of God provides an openness and honesty that brings humility. And that will help you in your, in your relationship with the Lord. Number eight, I will accept myself as a special person created to fulfill a unique purpose. Psalm 139 again. I will believe God's estimate of me. He loved me enough to send his dearest treasure, Jesus, to die for me. John 3.16, this act alone is a statement that God believes I'm a worthwhile person. And that's so true. Number nine, I will reach out to other people, remembering that they too are special and worthy of love. And this is the key, folks, and this is what seems somewhat counterintuitive. When you come to a place where you understand you're accepted in the beloved and you're special to God and God is going to enable you, you can't do it yourself, but God can do it through you and that you're a child of God, when you get that settled about yourself, you're going to view people differently. But if you're about trying to prove yourself, you're going to actually be jealous of other people. You're going to react to people. You're going to be embarrassed by certain people. But if you're at peace about who you are in Christ and it's all the grace of God, then you can actually love people. Did you catch that? That's a whole lesson in itself right there. That's a very important one. When you struggle with reactions to other people, it means you're struggling with yourself. It's always there. Um, marriage problem, problems, you're struggling with yourself. Problems with your children, you're struggling with yourself. If you're at peace with your relationship with God and growing in Him, realizing that He's helping you step by step, and you are reveling who you are in Christ, you've got the confidence then uh, to work with other people. And then number 10, I will remember it is not who I am, but whose, W-H-O-S-E, I am, that determines my value. I am a child of God. All right, a lot in there, a lot for you to talk about there. But this is very important. Satan just loves to get us on one. He either wants to get us, oh, woe is me. I'm nothing. I can't do anything. I might as well just forget it too. Oh, man, I'm really 
I'm going to make it, I'm, you know, and the focus is on self to try to prove yourself. Both sides of the equation will collapse, obviously. You need to realize, no, I am nothing. That's what the Bible says, but I'm very valuable to God. So valuable, he died for me. He's, got, he's gifted me. He made me just exactly right, and I've got a life that's worth living, and, uh, and you can have a, a great sense of personal worth because you're worthy because of him, not of yourself. And that balance is huge. So may the Lord give us that kind of heart. All right, I'll let you get going on your table time there. <laughs>